0: appreciate everybody doing this and I want to make sure to allot as much time as possible for everyone's questions. I think it's going to be a great pay-per-view show. Uh, If there's anything that we haven't covered by the end of the call that I think needs to be addressed, then I'll jump in, but I want to allot you as much time as possible to talk about what should be a great show on Saturday night. All
1: right, Tony, thank you. So we're going to start with John Oliver from Podcast Heat and after John, we're going to go with Randy Zelia from Backsport Page. John, you're up.
0: Tony, thank you for taking the time. Welcome to the great state of Jersey. Uh, We saw the announcement for the return of the Elite last night on Dynamite, and it got a huge reaction, and it's going to be a hell of a match with them and Death Triangle. Uh, I just was curious if you could provide us now with any insight as to what the process of getting them cleared and ready to go out of the investigation was like for this event, and uh, how was that determined ultimately? Uh, well, I can't comment on the investigation at this time, but I would comment on the wrestling status that the Trios Championship, they were the winners of the World Trios Championship Tournament at All Out. And the title was vacated in Buffalo and we crowned the Death Triangle as champions. And they've gone on, I think, to be great champions. And really, I believe they are arguably the two greatest trios in the history of AEW. And they have a rivalry that goes back many years and even in some ways predates AEW with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. And I believe uh, Kenny Omega and Pac have one of the great singles rivalries in AEW also. And, and the trios have had great matches across singles, tags. On the homecoming episode of Dynamite, uh, January 1st, 2020, they had an amazing match. Of course, uh, not long after that, Kenny Omega and Pac had a classic Iron Man match. Uh, i believe it's february 26th of 2020 in kansas city and uh, then of course the young bucks their ladder match all out 2019 with the lucha brothers and their cage match at all out 2021 with the lucha brothers i think are classic matches and uh, i can't wait to see the trios match so from a wrestling standpoint i think it sets up uh, to be very exciting and i think people are really excited to see kenny omega and the young bucks back they have fans all over the world so it's a very compelling reason to watch the pay-per-view to begin with and to have it be such a great match high stakes for the World Trios Championships which I think have added a lot to Dynamite in recent months and we've had a lot of great matches including last night Death Triangle versus uh, the TV debut of AR Fox and uh, the reunited top flight with the return of Darius Martin I thought that was a great match and I'm really looking forward to the trios match and I can't comment on uh that backstage aspect of it unfortunately but i also really you know do appreciate you asking and understand that part of it but i think from a wrestling standpoint that's what went into it if that makes sense all right
1: thanks john thanks tony i promised uh, randy velia from vats four pages next and following randy i will have a write-in from kenny from inside the ropes
0: randy hey tony thank you very much for taking the time
1: i really appreciate it um sort of a a 2 part question about Full Gear here. One, was there any hesitation on doing a pay-per-view in New York where the WWE has sort of been a mainstay? And was there any, um, I guess, any statistical change you wanted to make since the last few pay-per-views
0: were on a Sunday and you're moving this one back to Saturday? Well, Full Gear has traditionally been on Saturday, and we've done that uh, since the beginning, and I think it makes sense to avoid another business i work in closely which is the national football league which is at the powerhouse in q4 on mm-hmm. sunday nights so full gear has actually always been a saturday night pay-per-view that's part of the fun and we do the other shows typically on a sunday but uh this one we run on a on a saturday and it's uh at least nice for me the jags on bye week so it's, uh, it worked out very well uh as far as running here in the New York, New Jersey area, specifically in New Jersey, at Newark at the Prudential Center. There's fans from this area, from the tri-state area, some of the best fans, and uh, we set up shows here and uh, really had Grand Slam, one of our biggest TV events of the year, at Arthur Ashe Stadium, which has been an amazing venue for us. And then, of course, AEW Full Gear, this show, Saturday night, which is such a stacked event. They've both been huge financial successes uh, from a live event standpoint and a commercial standpoint. I expect Full Gear will will be a big success on Saturday night. And, of course, uh, we hit over a million dollars in live ticket sales for the TV event Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium, and we're closing in on over a million dollars in sales here. And, uh, you know, frankly, there were major cost savings that people, you know, might not think about in routing everything, uh, mostly in the Northeast, and that's why there's been so many shows in the Northeast recently because we saved millions of dollars between Grand Slam and and Full Gear, which were both big financial successes, you know, million dollar tentpole shows, and we saved millions of dollars in between those shows by routing everything uh, in between, and so that's kind of a cost savings, and now moving west. I'm really excited to to move the show West too, but New York, New Jersey makes perfect sense to do pay-per-views and it's good timing for us to have one of our biggest pay-per-view shows and, and looking like another million dollar live gate, which makes four straight AEW pay-per-views with over a million dollars in live ticket sales that that I think we're going to hit this weekend, probably the way it's going very close. And, uh, and then, you know, now good timing for us to move West after, uh, you know, what was in many ways an economical tour here, running a lot of great shows in the Northeast uh, in these recent months and and with the big financial successes of uh, Grand Slam and Full Gear, which I think now shows that uh, we can run some of the biggest events in this market, especially because, to your point, uh, being competitive in the market, the biggest live wrestling event anybody's done in terms of attendance in New York is AEW Grand Slam.
1: All right, <clears throat> appreciate it, Randy. As promised, I've got a write-in here from Kenny McIntosh, and then after uh, Tony responds to Kenny, we'll, we'll go with Will Washington from Grabson. So Tony, Kenny has the following question. He's from Inside the Ropes. You've had to deal with a lot of injuries this year, meaning there's been a lot more tournaments in, in 2022 than you maybe potentially planned. You think going into 2023, you might see fewer tournaments so they don't lose their impact or do they work creatively for you happening on a regular basis?
0: I think they work well creatively at times. And there's been times where because of injury, we've done tournaments out of necessity. So it's a mix of the two, but I also think they add a lot to the show. I'm, I'm really glad you asked about tournaments. One of the things I wanted to address is we have, uh, um, The AEW Eliminator Tournament that's happening right now actually was impacted by injury, and it was a real injury. We were not able to clear uh, Ricky Starks to wrestle last week, and he is somebody that is a great wrestler in the tournament. And certainly, I I did not just want to have Lance Archer move on and face Brian Cage by forfeit. So the Ricky Starks-Lance Archer match is an important match and, and the winner of that goes on to face Brian Cage. We now know after last night, Ethan Page is in the finals. So it, that tournament got impacted. So I was going to address that point in the call. Uh, that is really in the hands to some extent by the doctors, but also just out of everybody's hands because uh, truly we could not clear Ricky to wrestle last week. So it set that tournament schedule behind. So I think what is going to happen is, of course, on Rampage, we've announced that Ricky Starks versus Lance Archer and the winner of Archer versus Starks will wrestle on the zero hour against Brian Cage. And then the winner of that match on the zero hour will then go on to Wednesday Night Dynamite in Chicago, uh, which is uh, doing very well, by the way. That's uh, outselling our our last trip to Trust Arena and uh, uh, looking like a great event on Wednesday night uh, the evening before Thanksgiving a great tradition that we started in Chicago and it uh, is going to be the finals there with Ethan Page wrestling the winner of the match on the zero hour Brian Cage versus the winner of Archer versus Starks on Friday night of course uh, everything got set behind and rather than uh, doing a forfeit I, I you know we really believe in uh, Ricky Starks is a great wrestler and, and he deserves every chance to wrestle Lance Archer rather than fitting, but it kind of set the schedule of things a little behind on that tournament in particular i think we've had some great matches in tournaments and frankly there's innovative things in the tournament format that we've never even done or tried uh that i think could add a lot to the presentation but i'm also not saying uh you need to do more tournaments necessarily but there's different kinds of tournaments you could look at doing that would be exciting and um certainly one thing i am is open-minded to different ideas and uh that's kind of my thoughts on it, but I think you know tournaments can be good in wrestling. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Kenny, for that for that question. Will Washington, you are up next. Will is with Grapsity, and and Will be followed by John Orchiola from Screen Rant. Will.
0: Uh, guys, can you hear me? Hey, Will. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, Tony. Uh, so. One of the concepts introduced to AEW here in 2022 was the interim championship. We saw Cody Rhodes have a bout of COVID and Sammy Guevara was crowned interim TNT champion. CM Punk went down with a foot injury. and Jon Moxley was crowned interim champion. But those were situations that were all resolved relatively quickly. On this card, we have Tony Storm defending the interim world title against Jamie Hayter, which has been in interim status since Thunder Rosa announced her injury in August. Thunder Rosa, though, has recently stated in multiple interviews that she doesn't anticipate being ready to go until 2023 at the earliest. So given that we've seen other titles such as the trios titles and world titles stripped recently, was there any consideration going into full gear and crowning a lineal world champion, especially given how active Tony Storm has been uh, as a defending champion? Yes, it's something we have considered and, uh, you know, it's something to consider. And uh, I'm you know, still weighing the pros and cons. Thunder Rose is a great wrestler and it's unfortunate she's injured and, uh, it's kept her out a long time, but, uh, it's not a, an easy situation. And, uh, you know, I try to take everything on a case by case basis and, uh, you know, trying to give Thunder Rosa every opportunity to, to come back and defend the championship. But if, if, you know, eventually, um, it, you would have to cr- crown a lineal champion to your point, And it's a great point.
1: Appreciate it, Will. Thanks, Will. Uh, John Orchiola from Screen Rant, you are next, and I will follow John with the writing question from Chris Mueller of Bleacher Report. John, John, you need to unmute your line.
0: Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you and your dog. <laughs> Great. Um, hi, Tony. Thank you for the <laughs> question.
1: Um, so I wanted to ask you about Soraya versus uh, Dr. Britt Baker. I'm very excited for this match. And it's probably the, uh, the biggest women's dream match AEW has done so far. And it has a really interesting story of Soraya making her comeback versus Britt kind of carrying the flag and defending the AEW women's division's reputation. So I'm wondering, as the head of AEW and as the booker, kind of where your sympathies lie uh, with the dream match.
0: Well, I'm... Um... Certainly hoping for and expecting a great match. And I think we have every reason to expect something great when Soraya returns to the ring. It's a great story. She's been out of wrestling, and many people thought she would never return to the ring. It's very compelling. And ever since she arrived in AEW at AEW Grand Slam in September, uh, she's been on a collision course with Dr. Britt Baker. And it was amazing news that Soraya was fully cleared to wrestle and that she's going to go one-on-one this Saturday night with Dr. Britt Baker at AEW Full Gear. And uh, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, is one of the great homegrown stars of AEW. And I think that's one of the themes across this pay-per-view that you're going to see is there's a lot of the homegrown AEW stars, wrestling people that came in with a lot of national – and worldwide television experience coming into aew and there's others that really came to national prominence in aew wrestling on tnt and tbs every week and that's uh a great example of it and i think soraya is somebody who's arrived in aew with an amazing compelling story and each of them is very different you know they're not all on the same side these aren't just one that you know there's not uh, like everyone coming in or the, are the terrible people and everyone here, uh, are the greatest. You know, there's, it's a, it's very compelling, uh, people in this match. Dr. Britt Baker is somebody who's really worked her way into this position. When AEW started, uh, we, we saw firsthand that Britt was willing to go the extra mile and she's, uh, been injured at times in matches and fought through. She's had her nose broken several times. She's been in some of the bloodiest, most barbaric matches in pro wrestling. Dr. Britt Baker is a savage and she's somebody uh, that's willing to go to war for AEW and for herself, frankly. And uh, if not for herself, for her friend, Jamie Hayter. And Dr. Britt Baker uh, uh, is somebody who is always Uh, you know from the beginning of AEW I think been uh, one of our homegrown stars and Soraya is somebody who's frankly one of the biggest most recognizable faces in all of pro wrestling and one of the best known stories in all of pro wrestling and people around the world know her story and what she's overcome to get to this match and I think that's really compelling and that's why it's cool She's in AEW, and that's why it's awesome she's making a comeback, and I'm really excited that she's doing it at AEW for both here. And I think uh, for her to be on a collision course with Dr. Brett Baker, it's the right match at the right time, and it's going to be great. And I think should be one of the really exciting matches on a pay-per-view that I think is stacked with great matches and compelling stories. Thanks for asking.
1: Thanks, Sean. I've got two write-ins in a row. We're going to start with Chris Mueller from Bleacher Report and then follow that with a <clears throat> question from Dave Meltzer from uh, Wrestling Observer. So first, first from Chris, AR Fox was offered a contract following Dynamite. Do you see him taking on any additional roles backstage, such as coach or producer, given his level of experience?
0: Uh, It's something to certainly talk about. I've enjoyed working with Fox. You know, I get more time to spend with the wrestlers. I find in Orlando at the AEW dark taping, particularly uh, people not in, say, the world championship matches or, uh, you know, doing extended segments on Dynamite or Rampage. Uh, You get to spend more time with younger wrestlers or people from the independent scene at the AEW dark taping. And I really enjoy those. And I've gotten to spend a bit of time with AR Fox in Orlando. And uh, for the coaches and myself, we have more time to develop people, to do projects. It reminds me of Tuesdays at Daily's place in the old pandemic era where we did a lot of dark matches and a lot of people who've been prominent and are involved in this card, like the acclaimed and powerhouse Hobbs. We're really. Their runs in AEW were born out of those Tuesday dark tapings in Daly's place, and now we do these Saturdays, primarily the weekends, uh, in Orlando. And I've gotten to spend some time with AR Fox, and I really like him. And he had a match there with Dante Martin, and I I thought it would be a great match. And coming out of it, I told him I really liked it, and it made me think they could be a great team. And then he had a great match with Ray Phoenix on uh, also uh, there, but you know this time in a, in the arena with more fans. And uh, he's had these great matches on YouTube. And it made me think that on TV, maybe if you uh, paired him up with Dante and then add the, the uh, extra surprise element, the return of Darius, that could be a great matchup for the Death Triangle in a trios match. And those are the kind of exciting matches we like to have on Wednesday nights on CBS every week live on Dynamite. And I think that's what AEW is all about. And AR Fox fits uh, the kind of great wrestling we like to present and he seems like a great person from my experiences with him. So uh, I would certainly be open to that, but I uh, I know a lot of our wrestlers have benefited from his coaching um, and I've enjoyed working with him. So it's a great thought.
1: <clears throat> Thanks, Chris. Dave Meltzer um, from Wrestling Observer has a question. I'm going to give you in a minute here, Tony. Uh, Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics will follow. So, point here are there any plans for
0: an Owen Hart tournament in 2023 yes I do plan to do the Owen Hart tournament in 2023 I would like to continue my great relationship with Dr. Martha Hart and her family uh Oge Hart recently attended the Jaguars Broncos game at Wembley Stadium I really like Oge he's a tremendous guy and Martha and the whole family, they're great, and uh, I would, you know, we loved having them in AEW, and the Owen Hart tournament tradition will continue, Uh, and uh, I hope, hopefully, we'll, you know, it'll have more great matches. Some of the matches last year are still some of my favorite matches in AEW this year. There's some really good ones in that tournament, and I think we can do some really compelling things next year, also, with the Owen Hart tournament, and uh, I'm very excited to collaborate with dr martha hart again she's a tremendous person and i really Um. appreciate chris jericho uh facilitating that connection several years ago actually during the pandemic you know we did a lot of work and i think came out in many ways a lot of the things we worked to achieve in the pandemic benefited us when we came out and you know those zooms we did with martha uh really paid off uh chris was on some of those and cody was actually back on some of those too and we had some really nice zooms uh with martha and uh she's she's been a great friend to us
1: that's great news thanks tony thanks for the question dave uh, as promised brandon thurston from Nomics is up next and i will follow brandon with a write-in from Lib- libby cadman from russell russell n so brandon floor is yours brandon please unmute yourself hi tony thanks for the time today
0: hey thank you
1: I, I wanted to ask. Uh, CM Punk was pretty clearly a strong contributor for AEW across pay-per-view, ticket sales, TV ratings, and, and merchandise. Uh, and there's there's a lot of speculation. Most people probably think he won't be back. But I just wanted to ask you uh, if we've seen the last of CM Punk in AEW.
0: I can't comment on that. I have nothing but positive things to say about the contribution CM Punk has made in AEW on screen and uh, and. He- Certainly a lot of positive uh, things to say about uh, the, you know, things he did in AEW to date. And I can't comment on that, but uh, you know, I do understand why you'd ask and uh, I appreciate you asking.
1: Brandon, appreciate that. Uh, Next up, I've got a a write-in from uh, uh, Libby Cadman from Russell Inn, And then I've got another write-in from Amy Nemedy from Russell Joy. So here we go from Libby, Tony. Libby's question, Dynamite this week really seemed to take advantage of the in-ring promos, video packages, and almost highlight reels and mini packages to set audiences up for this Saturday, a highlight being the acclaimed music video pre-match. How do you creatively approach these video packages compared to an in-ring promo, and what's the process in working out which is the most appropriate form to use?
0: Well, a lot of times the live, it's a great question. Thank you. I I got so excited I almost jumped into it without thank you. That's a tremendous question about the production and uh I try to keep stuff in and around the ring as much as possible and uh it's actually it's funny because like I I credit a lot of it the shows I really um inspired in a lot of ways by the early Nitros which I think were great and the first few years the show was more focused around the ring And it was a different kind of show and a different kind of presentation And then I felt like in the later 90s and into the 2000s the show at times um, Tried to do more backstage Segments, but that's off off the point of what I'm trying to say, but it's that it is kind of on the point at the same time, which is that uh, I like to keep stuff around the ring as much as possible whether it's the matches the promos there is, there are it's important to do backstage segments and in the flow of the show there's just a lot of reasons why it makes sense frankly to do things backstage in this show in a go home show i think this was the week where uh you want to showcase a lot of video packages and a lot of informational stuff and frankly sometimes they don't do as good of a number but that's not because they aren't as good of a product cuz i think that's some of the best stuff are these packages and videos and things of that nature. Now I'll be interested to see the number, but also frankly on a go home show because of the huge economic swing of a pay-per-view and the big value of the pay-per-view. This is the week for us, our partnership with Warner brothers discovery. It's like, a you know, you, you, everything is calculated at the choices we make. So this is a big push for the pay-per-view. So it'll be interesting to see how they do, but also I'm uh, this, this show was very much about, getting people interested in full gear. And I think almost everything, the vast majority of the things on the show largely were there to push people towards full gear and, and get people excited about it. And I think there was a lot of really exciting things on the show. There's 10 matches on the pay-per-view and, you know, I think it'll be uh, within the traditional window. I, I expect, uh, you know, I can say we'll end, uh, you know, or, at a very uh, reasonable time. And I think it, it won't be from the time we actually start wrestling on the zero hour, because I think there'll be uh, some, some of these exciting video recaps and uh, packages to get people caught up to start the zero hour, which is largely about getting people interested in full gear, but also for the live crowd, you know, we won't start the wrestling right at the top of zero hour necessarily. And I think, it won't, you know, it'll, it'll be a, a relatively tight night of wrestling. It won't be, for example, double or nothing. That was a calculated move being out on the West Coast, not only in the show starting so early. Uh, and the crowd really, to my point, I think was proven right about the live crowd. The hottest they were was at the, the end of the night, uh, for the last three matches, the third act, as I, uh, referred to it, from Anarchy in the Arena and the three way match for the World Tag Team Championship and the World Title match and uh, but that also for the tv uh crowd was a long show and uh you know i probably wouldn't do it that way again except that to my point we did get a lot of late buys because i was also competing with a potential game seven which did happen and it was good to have stuff up our sleeve where a lot of the best stuff started after game seven and we got a lot of late buys so a lot of stuff is driven to the pay-per-views and that is my greater point here that's why you do a lot of video recap stuff and some of those uh, promos and videos and packages leading into a pay-per-view. And we also have, to that point, the countdown to Full Gear coming up after AEW Rampage, which is exclusively these great packages, extended interviews, and some of the best interviews and uh, compelling storytelling in pro wrestling, I really believe, is done on those countdown shows. So I'm excited for the countdown also after Rampage. And we got kind of a preview of some of that for the Dynamite audience, which is our biggest audience every week, which reaches worldwide well over a million people every Wednesday night. So uh, that's what the thinking was for that. Thanks.
1: Thanks, Libby. And thank you, Tony. Uh, I've got a write-in here from Amy Nemedy from Russell Joy, And and Amy will be followed by BJ Lisko from Web is Jericho. Here's that. Here's Amy's question, Tony. Nyla Rose and Jade Cargo have built an epic feud and storyline around the TBS championship with the stolen belt, replica belt going on tour with Jade, and Nyla's shenanigans. How did this story come about, and what are your expectations for Full Gear?
0: Well, the story came about in a funny way. We have a, a you know, actually, to be honest, I think it planted the seed in Nyla's head to steal the championship belt. It was Tony Schiavone. Uh, Tony Schiavone mentioned something about it and we had the meeting and every once in a, and uh, um, I thought it was uh, a great idea that Nyla ended up running with. And uh, she uh, had a lot of fun with it and it was a great way to showcase Nyla's personality. And uh, so I, I thought that would be a, a really good way to go. And uh, Nyla, the, the champ as I call her, uh, I've been calling her champ for years, even though she hasn't been holding the title now, she's stolen the title and I still call her champ, but uh um she took the title took the ball and effectively and ran with it and it's been a lot of fun and Jade Cargill is to date unbeaten but I think Nyla Rose represents uh the toughest struggle she's going to have to date but uh for Nyla who's used to being the most powerful toughest woman in the ring in most of her matches now certainly uh finds herself with a, a quite a rival in jade and it's been great so it's been a great rivalry and it's something i wanted to get on the show and the first person who ever mentioned it was actually tony shivani in a meeting and i thought it was great uh so um you know that's how it came to be and uh that's a good example of somebody with a good idea and that i'll do you know and uh try to pick the best ideas and then try to work them into the shows as we can and one of the great things about AEW full gear there's three women's matches on the pay-per-view that uh, all have compelling stories of their own and they're all different uh, two championship matches one that's a personal rivalry and and really much more than a personal rivalry a very great story of the uh, homegrown superstar Dr. Brett Baker former world champion taking on Soraya who's been a champion all over the world and and is making such a inspiring comeback to pro wrestling so three great women's matches on a great pay-per-view that has 10 great matches and, and should have something great for everyone. I think there's 10 great matches and they're really all different to, to, for the most part with great stories of their own, including Milo Rose versus Jade Cargill for the TBS championship. Uh, Then we'll find find out who the real TBS champion is on Saturday night. Thanks for asking. Thank you, Tony Uh,
1: BJ Lisko from web is Jericho. And then we will follow uh, BJ with the write-in from Dominic D'Angelo from Ad Free Shows. BJ, you're
0: up. Hey Tony, um, my question is in regards to FTR, um, who you know have been having uh, one of the best years of uh, really any tag team in recent memory, um, but they don't have a match um, on Full Gear as of right now, and they didn't have one on Grand Slam either. And I was just wondering, is the reason they're not part of Saturday's Show? Uh, that they're being positioned perhaps for the last ring of honor pay-per-view and also maybe as like flag bearers for the ring of honor brand once presumably a uh, TV deals in place. Thanks. I would love, first of all, to showcase FTR as much as possible. I have so many great wrestlers in this company uh, and it gives me a lot of thought about creating more content, not only under the AEW banner, certainly also possibly under the ring of honor banner, but just looking at it, the AEW roster and right, you know, FTR one of the greatest teams in the world and, Obviously, that makes them one of the best teams on uh, the AEW roster by default. I think they're one of the greatest teams in the world, and we have a roster with some of the best teams. And uh, They were in a great position, certainly in that number one contenders match right there. I think we have some other great tag teams. Certainly, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee have come in as free agents and reformed a team they had on the independents and have been a dominant tag team. They were also great world champions this year. Uh, they ended up coming out ahead in that match by hook or by crook. And uh, now we see uh, Swerve and really Keith, I think uh, both have been two of the best free agent signings we've had ever. And, and this year in 2022, we've had some free agent people, including Keith Lee, Swerve Strickland, Tony Storms, another great example, people who've come in and been very impactful and significant and I think you know FTR are a great example of that also from a couple years ago that have come into AEW and have been very successful they've had a great run in AEW um of course last week they were on AEW Dynamite last week in a great eight-man tag and they won the opening match which had a great audience and and they were a huge part of that teaming with the acclaimed uh, against Keith and Swerve and the guns and kind of getting a, some measure of revenge On Keith and Swerve, it's a great tag team picture. FTR are a big part of it. They're also, to your point, a huge part of Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. They're the Lucha Libre AAA tag team champions. They hold a lot of titles in the world of wrestling. So they are very prominent in the world of wrestling. And in addition to AEW, I am the owner of Ring of Honor and have close partnerships with these other organizations, work really closely with them, especially in Japan, where we collaborate on Forbidden Door. And they were a big part of the Forbidden Door event. And which is, you know, the, that's a very successful partnership that I'd like to continue and expect to continue. And uh, with New Japan and Forbidden Door and, and collaborating and FTR have been great champions for them. And have been great champions for us with Ring of Honor and with AEW. So I would like to get um, many wrestlers, including, frankly, FTR, involved more and create more content for AEW and Ring of Honor. So we can showcase more wrestlers because I think we have frankly, more than three hours worth of great wrestlers. And it's something that there's demand for is more of these great wrestlers and more of these great matches. Uh, and, uh, I have some thoughts on, on that and the presentation going forward that, you know, are, are pretty compelling. And I think it's an exciting time in the pro wrestling business and, uh, and in uh, the content creation business, uh, and AW has got a great relationship with Warner brothers discovery. And now ring of honors starting to, uh, dip the toe in the water effectively with Warner brothers discovery for the first time collaborating on the pay-per-view events. Final battle is happening December 10th. Uh, but right now all hands on deck for me personally, and even for the ring of honor, frankly, uh, you know, with the ring of honor world championship match, Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli versus Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara on Saturday night. Uh, and for FTR, I just think, uh, They're two of the best wrestlers in the world and I absolutely would love to showcase them. And I think they are definitely in the mix here. And I think the world of them for AEW and for ring of honor, both. And I think it could be great Uh, to your point. uh, Lead representatives for both promotions for AEW ring of honor and for new Japan pro wrestling for that matter. So it's great.
1: Thanks BJ. And um, we got a right in here, Tony from Dominic D'Angelo, which is almost uh, Uh, follows your, your last answer here. I want to, uh, after, after, uh, Dominic, we're going to go to Emily hall from women's wrestling talk. So Emily, be ready. Dominic's question is the following with ring of honor, trying to establish itself as a brand and AW stars fighting for television time. Are you still solely responsible for all the booking, uh, bookings, or do you see a benefit in having one of your several strong minds around you contributing and building both brands?
0: Well, I am responsible for all the booking. I make all the final decisions That I put the formats together and I solicit ideas from people backstage. And a great example is the one I gave before, like Tony Schiavone had a great idea. Nyla Rose ended up using his idea. She stole the championship. And, uh, but he was the first person who said it out loud in a meeting and I ran with it. And, uh, then you get, uh, great ideas from wrestlers and I have to take them all and mix them together. And it's not, totally dissimilar from play calling you know in sports and in say play calling football for example one person does have to make the calls and a lot of people contribute to that process and it's weeks of work months of work years of work that go into those ideas and different people take them and so much work goes into one snap and there's countless snaps in a season and each one of them is very important and thousands of snaps in a season and uh really when you look at that and consider that you know we have a great team of people and i so i'm i have to take everybody's ideas and figure out in three hours believe me there's we got more than three hours worth of great ideas and sometimes you know you're trying to utilize different people and i just try to um pick the best stuff and and while nobody bats a thousand um certainly we try to put great matches on every Wednesday. And I think there are compelling reasons to watch uh, Wednesdays and Fridays uh, very often on. And, and I, you know, I, so I am responsible for that and I think it does uh, help keep consistency actually to the point that our boss, Mr. Zasloff made yesterday, he made some great points. And I think AW has thrived in it, you know, in some ways has been a challenging market. We're having like a really strong business year in, uh, you know, in while the you know traditional cable isn't saying like hey, this is the all time greatest year for, for cable, yet AEW is up uh, year over year in our total viewership and in some significant demos like 18 to 34. And we're you know year over year in the overall demo pretty close and way ahead of the cord cutting numbers by a factor of probably four to five. And uh, I would say that in pay-per-view, uh, we've shown that we uh, this is a really strong year. Not only have we been able to maintain strong buy rates, but also added a fifth event that was our biggest uh, debut event ever. Live events, uh, we've had new heights in terms of our big events. We've hit this million-dollar gate now. I'm hoping for a fourth straight pay-per-view, and also for our first ever time for a TV event for AEW Grand Slam, and also came. Very close to that number for many events like the forum and uh, blood and guts and other big TV events this year. So it's been a great year in many ways. In what, what other you know, in some other ways, for other people are finding this very challenging. And uh, Mr. zasloff you know, made this point that like uh, he's come in and they've been impressed by the talent, which I believe includes AEW. And uh, you know that's why I think we're getting these great opportunities and. You know, made some other uh, great points about you know the future of entertainment, and I think there's viability in our our streaming content. And uh, you know, some of the points he made about uh, you know the the strong performers. I think they focus on the the winners, and that I really believe in the strategy. And you know, I think we can be a big part of it, and want we want to be a big part of it, and that's why uh, you know we try to uh, keep. Uh, great matches coming on Wednesdays and Fridays. But uh, to your point, uh, that's, you know, one of the things he said was that the reason he wants a a unified focus for DC, because that's the ultimate example of Warner Brothers discovery, you know, one of the strongest properties in the world. And it makes sense that in this case, two people, but one team, uh, you know, two people with a common vision that are working together uh, and one of the things he said was really, you know, given the example of Marvel is having one person with a vision who leads the team, uh, and then makes the calls and puts everything together, makes a lot of sense. And also, uh, for stability reasons, I think it makes sense because I've been here from the beginning and, you know, uh, have thoughts and a lot of the things that have been done here have been done here from the beginning for a reason. And we've been able to follow through on things like Hangman's story arc and Hangman. Uh, that great uh, championship run as a team he had with Kenny Omega, and then of course Kenny Omega, his great run as champion and and Hangman winning the championship and great matches, and I can't wait to have Hangman back in AEW. Um, you know, thankfully he's doing really well, and and, and uh, I, I am anxious and and excited for him to return to the ring because he's a great wrestler, and that's a great example of um, a story that paid off over the years from the beginning of AEW. And, uh, that's kind of the thought of, uh, it, but I also have to give a lot of credit to a lot of people on the team. I named a bunch of the, uh, producers, coaches, backstage people, but I also give a lot of credit to a lot of the wrestlers, uh, who come to me with great ideas. And frankly, I probably only end up using, uh, less than 50% significantly, probably way less than 50% of the ideas I hear every week because we can only do so much in the three hours of dynamite and rampage and then with some things on elevation and dark Two, uh and and for ring of honor so i try to pick the best i can and and that's how we do it and i you know i have a lot of my own ideas and it's just mixing them together and uh thankfully i have a, a lot of really smart people to bounce it off of and we're always looking to to make that team stronger too i think uh that's you know why we why we uh you know, from the beginning of AEW, uh, I've, I've always tried to talk to dozens and dozens of people in the company every single week uh, about different ideas and how we can utilize them best on TV. Thanks for asking.
1: Thanks, Dominic. Uh, so Emily hall from Women's Wrestling Talk is next. And I'm going to follow Emily with a write-in from Tony Miller of Toned In Entertainment. Emily? Thanks hi can you guys hear me okay yes awesome i just thank you so much for the opportunity i actually took
0: off um i'm a college student i was able to take off class to, to have this opportunity so thank you so much for the opportunity um i was just wondering um we've been talking a lot right now
1: about aew sort of reaching new heights and expanding shows so i guess i was just sort of wondering what your hopes are for the women's division Continuing from full gear
0: prospective championship contenders or just kind of like general future division, any other talents coming in like from Joshi or anything like that? Well, uh, it's a great question. I think this is uh, one of the most exciting pay per views we've ever presented for many reasons. And I think it's some of the most compelling matches in women's wrestling we've ever offered, whether it's the interim world, world championship match. Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter, the TBS Championship match. Nyla Rose versus Jade Cargill, or the inspiring comeback story, Soraya returning against all odds in AEW to take on Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, the former world champion. I think it's a lot of great stories that have been told on TV in recent months, and it's all coming to a head on Saturday night at full gear and coming out of full gear. We'll see where we stand out of all three of these programs and where all six of these women stand. And then there's some great women waiting in the wings. I thought, for example, Anna Jay was tremendous last night against Tony Storm. Anna Jay has got a great record this year. If you saw the stats, uh, she's really uh, somebody we want out there wrestling a lot and getting her an opportunity to wrestle on TV. Came a she was somebody certainly I'd actually considered uh, for that match, but also the Bunny is a great wrestler who I, she was out sick, but she's been out for a while. The Bunny and Penelope Ford are a, a great team. They're both they've both been out injured, and I'm really anxious to get them both in. I think you've seen firsthand with the women's division last year. I really tried to showcase Penelope and the Bunny and Anna Jay and Ty Conti all four of them in singles matches and in tag team matches. And it all culminated in a great street fight on New Year's Eve. That was one of my favorite matches all year on TV in AEW, on AEW Rampage. It was great. New Year's Eve street fight in Jacksonville. And I think going forward, all those women, in addition to the great women on the pay-per-view, Willow Nightingale is somebody that signed with AEW recently. I'm very excited about Uh, There's a number of Joshi that, uh, of course, I mean, Karoshita is a former world champion and Rio is a former world champion. Whenever uh, they're around AEW, they're in the mix to be contenders in championship opportunities. And certainly uh, a lot of other great wrestlers too uh, that, uh, you know, we look to scout and showcase in the future. Thanks. That's a great question.
1: <clears throat> Very much appreciate there, Emily. I've got a write-in question here from Tony Miller. I'm sorry. Yeah, from Tony Miller from Toned in Entertainment. And after Tony, we're going to go to another write-in from Joey Hayden at the Dallas Morning News. So the first one here, Tony, from Tony Miller, is, I've watched every AEW pay-per-view or saw them live since the beginning. This Saturday, for the first time, I will be watching at Regal Cinema's. How important is that platform and what are your expectations with
0: Regal cinemas moving forward? Well, it's a great great question. Some of it is, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because the, the theater business is getting stronger recently and it's great, uh, for us. We've got some great partnerships with the different cinemas across the country, Regal, including Regal cinemas, uh, which is where I saw the Batman. And, uh, And I would say that uh, it's something we absolutely are looking to continue going forward. Uh, And, you know, some of it is actually dependent on what's happening in the movie theaters. Like for example, there's a lot of excitement around, uh, you know, Black Panther and Wakanda right now. And so like when a big theatrical event like that happens, uh, or like something earlier this year, like the Batman, like, you know, you gotta like look at those for, now this that's in a lot of theaters this weekend. So, uh, that's why for some people, you know, there, it may be the theaters are crowded and, and, uh, there, you know, they, there's some theaters where we would play normally where it might not even be available, but then, uh, because there's so many screens for a big movie like that, for example, is one thing I've noticed this year. So uh, it's interesting because it's a different kind of business. Whereas on pay-per-view every, you know, the channel, there's always a channel or bleach report always for it, but screen uh, availability is a really competitive thing in the movie business. And, but we've done really well with it this year. I mean, nobody, if you look at our box office receipts, we've got great box office receipts from it. So it's a really interesting business. I'm learning about it because it's not a revenue stream. um, I had really considered much, you know, the, the big revenue streams for us, Primarily going in that I was focused on that have all been great revenue streams for us are TV, pay-per-view, live events, merchandising, and now one we're about to also tap into video games. But the movie theater business is great and it's something uh, we'd like to continue. Hey, because we had the tech problem, go uh, go a little bit. By the way, I'd like to I'd like to keep on and stay answering questions if I could, because I know uh, it was a couple minutes because there were some tech issues on the line. So I'll stay on right. if I could, Jim.
1: We will go into injury time, Tony. So, thank you. We, we will, uh, we're going to go now with a, a, a write in from uh, uh, Joey Hayden from the Dallas Morning News. And following Joe, Joey, we're going to go with David Vixenspan from Babyface versus Heel. Here's Joe, uh, 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 Joey Hayden's question uh, Winter is coming, uh, is, is going to be returning to, uh, to Dallas next month, in the second year in a row. Does AEW's commitment to putting a higher-level dynamite episode together in Garland at the Curtis Caldwell Center point to a potential pay-per-view coming to North Texas in the future?
0: Well, potentially, uh, that's actually a very exciting week for AEW and Ring of Honor both. There's eight of really one of the biggest TV events of the year in AEW annually, one of the most significant events with the best history of great matches, is Winter is Coming. It's a very important show for us. It's off to a great start on ticket sales in Dallas and uh, really in the Metroplex uh, in Garland, Curtis Cowell Center. Also that weekend, there's Ring of Honor Final Battle, which is something different starting on a Saturday afternoon, a different kind of start time, December 10th, uh, which will be really interesting. Uh, pay-per-view and certainly AEW Full Gear will have a big effect on that show. The championship match with world champion Chris Jericho defending against Claudio Castagnoli and Brian Danielson both former champions and Sammy Guevara the former three-time TNT champion and Chris's protege and we'll see who's the champion coming out of that and I also expect another big title defense or two in between that and final battle to set the stage for what should be uh you know maybe maybe uh one of the biggest ring of honor pay-per-views ever but I also think Uh, going into the AWTV event, that is probably one of the most significant shows we do final, excuse me, uh, coming off that final battle would be one of the most significant shows we do Is winter is coming. And I want to keep that tradition going for sure. And as far as a pay-per-view goes, that's absolutely something we'd look at. That's one of the reasons I thought doing uh, a second Ring of Honor pay-per-view this year in the Dallas area would be great because it's been such a great, uh, home for AEW and now for also for Ring of Honor, but also an AEW pay-per-view in the Dallas area I think would be great. I might look, frankly, at a bigger venue than the Curtis Colwell Center, which I think is a great TV venue for us and it's just been economically a very friendly deal for AEW. If you look at the economics of some of the buildings we pick and why, sometimes there is uh, some methodology to it, and and you could argue with it sometimes. If like you know there's bigger returns other places, but sometimes those also do come at the cost of transport rent load in some of the considerations so uh i do think um moving forward that certainly curtis coldwell center has been a great partner and we could continue doing shows there and and we'll see what happens going forward i think winter is coming is definitely a tradition in the dallas area i want to keep going and then as far as pay-per-view events um that's definitely something i'm open to for aew in the dallas area and that's why i've you know, because I, I believe in the market so much, that's why I've this money. Second ring of honor pay per view there, and that's also why uh, we're doing. Winner is coming there every year. It's one of our biggest TV shows. Thank you for asking.
1: Thank you, Joey. All right, Tony. Next up is David vixen Span from Babyface versus Theo. and we will follow David with Sean Ross Sap from Fight.
0: Great. Hey Tony thanks for your time hey thanks, kind of so down, this is the is first time so. that any of the ROH singles titles have been defended on the, any of the, the AEW channel, so. branded pay-per-views and one of the bigger or at least more widespread criticisms of the TV lately that I've seen has been that the ROH titles have kind of bogged down or confused the shows a bit um, how do you feel about that criticism and also Is there a timetable for reevaluating things if a TV deal doesn't materialize? I think at the end of the year, certainly after final battle, we'll see where we are with it. But I do think um, some of the matches have been great, like Chris Jericho versus Bandito. And now this is a really significant match, you know, with Chris Jericho versus Claudio Castagnoli versus Brian Danielson versus Sammy Guevara. That's four of the big names in pro wrestling, four huge names in AEW, but also uh, three men who've been the Ring of Honor world champion against a man who's a three-time former TNT champion. I think uh, it's possible, you know, I'm, I'm open to different things, but I would, I've been very uh, also open that I'm very interested in weekly Ring of Honor television. In addition to what we're doing now with warner brothers discovery which is a very lucrative partnership and worth pursuing because so far this has been on a per event basis the greatest year in ring of honor pay-per-view history and i've only done two shows and i'm going on the third one so if there is a real revenue stream here nobody can deny. plus the ticket sales also i think on a per event basis is probably also the best year ring of honors ever had so um i would like to continue doing it and i think there's clearly a business case for it in a way that it does not cannibalize AEW uh, pay-per-view or live events. Now, as far as the TV show, there is only three hours to go around. That's why the people that we've showcased in these matches are the big talents. I got asked earlier on the call about FTR. Well, FTR have wrestled on pay-per-view a few times this year as the ring of honor tag team Champions and forbidden door in a great match where they actually won the IWGP heavyweight tag team championship and became Triple Crown Champions, where they hold three world titles in the world of pro wrestling, in which I have a pretty big influence, frankly, and have uh, a lot of uh, opportunities to showcase them. And now being able to have another platform to show one of the best teams in the world, to an audience that clearly really appreciates them, and to the point that I got earlier on in the call, the Ring of Honor allowed me to feature FTR in a damn pay-per-view main event that was one of the best main events of the entire year on pay-per-view FTR versus the Briscoes two out of three fall in a match that I literally could not do in AEW. And believe me, I've tried. So, uh, and, uh, so I, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, there's, uh, you know, the AEW, uh, AEW, Three hours of TV a week, I've been asked about, well, it's a great opportunity if we get Ring of Honor events like Death Before Dishonor, like uh, Supercard of Honor and like Final Battle. If we get these events uh, built where they're self-sustainable, then, yeah, I wouldn't use as much TV time on Dynamite or Rampage for them. But also when you have great a champion like a Claudio Castagnoli, a Chris Jericho, Samoa Joe, FTR, those are people you want to showcase on the show like in my opinion mercedes martinez also when she's been healthy she actually just got cleared yesterday and she wanted to uh, get back and do uh, a dark elevation match um to get warmed up ahead of final battle because she hasn't wrestled in a bit off injury and it was great for her to make the return a hometown return and excited for her to be back as champion had a final battle too um wheeler yute is a great wrestler that was a great champion and now daniel garcia is Uh, a great wrestler and they haven't really the pure title has been more focused on elevation and dark honestly so uh you know it's fair it's fair to talk about any i'll talk about anybody's any personal thoughts they're all subject to opinions that's one thing that is common across wrestling soccer and football that like they're all businesses so at some point like your opinions do need to translate to box office and revenues at some point and that's the bottom line but on the other hand, like they are just opinions and you can't fault anybody for having them. It's more about the accumulation of those opinions and the sum of the decisions you make. And then, then one thing I think, and in this case, I think FTR Samoa Joe Mercedes Martinez and Claudio Castagnoli. And now Chris Jericho going into this pay-per-view and whoever of those four men comes out, I think would be a great champion for uh ring of honor. Uh, going into TV and and we'll see what happens going into final battle. But I do think next year I would potentially reevaluate that because yeah, I do want to keep the focus on the AEW championships. That's the idea is. Uh, you know, there's a great tradition of Ring of Honor. I thought that video package was very effective showing a lot of the great champions in the history of Ring of Honor, including people who uh, are in AEW like Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli, Samoa Joe, uh, but also some faces uh that are not in a you know a w at the moment and uh like and and it was great to see and so uh it was like uh for me uh i also have been uh you know a, a big believer in the people that hold those championships, and I think uh they earn those spots, and that's why I try to showcase them but in this in this case I just think that's a great match and and the tag match i also that was a great match last night with those four men that, you know, should bode well going into the four way match. But it's a, it's a good question, something I'll definitely reevaluate going into. Year. All
1: right. Thanks. Thanks, David. <clears throat> we got, we're going to go till 10 minutes after the hour. Tony's got a break after that. So we're going to do two more questions. So let's keep an eye on the clock uh, for everyone here. Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful is up next. And we're going to close with Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc. Sean. Sean would have you'd have to um, read Sean's question. He doesn't have the audio. I apologize. I apologize. That's right. My fault. What were the original plans for Soraya, uh, Soraya if she wasn't able to get cleared for an in-ring return?
0: That's a great question. Uh, I think Soraya is one of the most recognizable faces in pro wrestling, and when she said she wanted to work together, I thought that would be an immediate win for AEW, and she told me she really believed she would get cleared. It had all been very positive, and it was all moving in that direction for her getting a full clearance. And um, To some extent, I took her at her word, and she's a great person. She's been great for us. And, uh, and I expected she would get cleared, but if she didn't, then she had a number of ideas and we had a number of conversations about all the different ways. She's, uh, somebody who can be a great ambassador for AEW. In addition to being a great wrestler for us this Saturday, AEW full gear on pay-per-view against Dr. Brett Baker, DMD. Fantastic. Okay. One more.
1: And that's going to come from Nick Hausman from Wrestling Inc to wrap it up. Nick, you good? Great. Yes. Can you hear me? Hi, Nick. Hi, Tony. How are you
0: doing? Great. Thanks for asking. Was that it? Is that the question?
1: Yep. I'm done. Bye. I'll see you later. Uh, (laughs) No, uh, I I did. I wanted to ask one question uh, about the scrums from last time because I've had to talk about them entirely too much. Um, You know, I guess I kind of want to know: Did did you have any idea what Punk was going to say? And the question I get asked the most about it is: Why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you try to stop him at any point?
0: Well, you were sitting. I I don't want to comment beyond this. You were sitting uh, five feet away from me, and uh, I did not know. I never know exactly. I mean, I know I, I did not know but I will not uh, comment beyond that except to say that uh, I had Keith and Swerve coming up right after that and Tony Storm after that and I had important stuff to talk to them about including Keith and Swerve to let them know that I thought it would be very interesting if they had a rematch with the Acclaimed at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium given that the Acclaimed are the winningest tag team in AW history and what a great match that had been and uh you saw keith and swerve's reactions which i felt like i wanted the world to see that was a real moment how keith and swerve reacted and uh you know we had uh i thought that was a very significant match and so uh in part i was uh i was thinking about keith and swerve and tony in some ways to be honest and then the, but that's all i would probably say thanks
1: okay thanks nick and uh, with that we are now officially Uh, at the end of our time. So per custom, we're going to be distributing an audio recording to all attendees here shortly. And so finally, uh, um, thank you, Tony Khan, uh, for for taking some time here today. Uh, And and to everybody on the line here, thanks for your patience, number one. Number two, thanks for being part of it. Um, You know, it bears repeating, we, you know, Tony and the entire AEW family is very grateful for your interest and commitment to to AEW and professional wrestling overall. So on behalf of everyone at AUW, we wish you a great Thursday and hope to see you in Newark on Friday for Rampage and Saturday for Full Gear. Best wishes, everyone. Thank you.